0: Hello everyone, welcome yeah. back to our podcast. We have returned after a short break and are now walking full-fledged. Along with me, I have Mr. Mayuresh Hendri, who is not only a naturalist walking around the Brahmaputra, but also an amazing photographer, YouTuber and explorer. Apart from that, it gives me pleasure to mention that Mr. Hendri does not belong to the scientific field. And that's the reason he becomes a really good example for young nature enthusiasts belonging to different aspects of education. We are happy to have you here and are looking forward to an amazing motivational discussion.
1: Thank you very much for an amazing introduction. And I'm really happy to be here and I'm really happy that I can impart some knowledge to my fellow naturalists.
0: We are happy to have you here too. So to begin with, I'm really curious about what was your journey from being a mass media student to now being a naturalist and being so well at it.
1: Yes. So uh, since past two years, I have been working as a naturalist um, in the Assam region on the River Cruise MV Mahabahu. And before that, I was working in the mass uh, media sector. I was into the advertising sector in the production house and i was into making videos films and photographs and that's what uh, was my daily uh, job was but i had a passion for wildlife and since uh, actually my college days i have been doing wildlife photography and i wanted to really pursue something uh, which will be close to my passion so uh, wildlife has been uh, my true love it has been my passion i have been following it since a long time so i was looking for these career options And I stumbled onto this uh, career option as a naturalist. So what is a naturalist? A naturalist is like a bridge between uh, the common people and nature. So you have uh, to have a knowledge about nature and you can explain that knowledge and uh, tell about nature, tell stories about nature to the common people who are interested in nature. So that was like a dream job. And I stumbled upon to this um, opportunity in the Brahmaputra River on the river cruise. So, I uh, went and started working there. So, that has been my journey uh, so far.
0: Okay. So, I really wanted to know if you have faced any kind of hardship, especially because you are from a different field. Like, did that cause an obstacle in your path?
1: Not really. Actually, in my 11th and 12th grade, I was a science student. And um, after my 10th grade, I had actually got... Uh, good marks but I did not want to take up science because I was not interested in that that much I wanted to go to arts but uh, as you all know that parents want you to pursue something which will take your career and they want you to become uh, like in India at least you have to become a doctor or an engineer maybe not so much nowadays but uh, that was what uh, they wanted me to do they told me that you can choose something later on so I chose science I uh, completed my uh, graduation uh, that is uh, my 12th grade, actually, sorry, uh, in science. And then later, I did not want to pursue science. I wanted to pursue a creative field. And that's why I chose mass media. So I did my mass media from Sin Xavier's Mumbai. And that's when I got to, uh, like, I am interested in photography. I had taken a photography since my 10th grade because we had a digital camera. I was interested in nature. I was going around the city looking for butterflies. And I was taking pictures of these butterflies. And later, as I went to uh, college, my interest in nature developed. And I learned photography. I started exploring that field. And uh, my passion towards photography developed. And passion towards nature developed. I combined that together and I uh, became a nature and wildlife photographer. So, at that that time, I was thinking, yeah, something uh, like this should be a career. But, yes, it was quite difficult because in India, at least, there are very few Uh, career options for uh, wildlife photography per se. You do not make any money out of that as such. Only if you are taking some trips or you are working somewhere uh, doing wildlife photography, you might uh, get some money out of that. So I was constantly on a lookout for a career which will help me uh, be close to nature as well and which will give me good money. So Later, I found out that uh, there is this career as a naturalist. So it was difficult to move from advertising to uh, the position of naturalist because I was uh, completely stable, staying in the city, close to my family. And I could uh, go to the job, uh, do my daily job. I was earning well, but the leap of uh, faith that I took was because I was so much in love with nature. So it's a choice in the end uh, for the individual uh, who wants to pursue this career, because that job requires you to stay far from your family, maybe for a few months um, in a remote location. And if you are for that case, this is a, and yes, difficulties were there because I had to adjust myself from the city life, go to a life, which was in a remote location. Not with all the facilities that you might get in the city. Nowadays, everything is like available in those locations as well. But still, there were some things which was, which was not possible. And I was uh, not being able to meet my family as well. But the love for nature is what drove me to pursue that job. And I'm really happy that I was yeah. working in a, such an amazing place like the Brahmaputra Valley. And I witnessed such wildlife around there and the nature and also the people there. So yes, it is difficult. Uh, Even if you are not from a science background, you can pursue a job of a naturalist. If you are passionate about nature, if you try to learn about it, read books, uh, follow the proper people, you will be able to learn. And as you learn on the job, I think uh, you will be able to do this job.
0: Yeah, it's great that you could share so many other aspects to wildlife education and uh, with our viewers. Also, now that we are speaking about careers, I really want to know what are the kind of experience that you have uh, seen along the Brahmaputra and, you know, uh, while you were working as a naturalist, what are the kind of experiences you've had in this place?
1: Yes, uh, so it was actually one of the magical places that I have been working. Because I was twenty-four-seven on the river, I was living on the cruise. The guests used to come on to this cruise, um, and it was a seven-day journey from Guwahati to Jorhat. And uh, we used to uh, like travel for these seven days, reach Jorhat, and we used to uh, cross through the river. So we used to every week see a different river because the Brahmaputra is uh, one of the major rivers in India. It is a One of of the 15th longest river actually of the world and uh, eighth largest. So it is so wide and it is the current is so strong that uh, you can actually just get to know when you experience it. It is uh, if you are standing at one bank and if you look at the opposite bank, sometimes it might not be the bank. It might be uh, an island in between. So, there are islands in between which form as the uh, river changes. So, as uh, monsoon comes, floods come in. So, as we all uh, get to hear about Assam floods. So, Brahmaputra floods are actually the reason why Assam floods every year and there is a lot of uh, loss of life and also of property. But it is also a necessary evil because that water is required for agriculture. 70% 70% of the people there are dependent on that and also as after monsoon the river is completely full but as uh, time goes on as the sun is strong and then the islands everywhere and later as uh, in february march the snow starts melting in the himalayas and as it is a snow fed river as well the river starts yeah. rising again so it is a constant process of change that i have seen and i have also uh, visited the people living on the banks there so, cruise uh, goes to, to these villages of the Bangla-speaking people and the tribal people, that is the mission people, which is a tribe in Assam. They live on the banks and we visit them. Uh, we interact with them. Uh, we also visit their houses. We understand their culture. We take our guests with us. We also help them out. We uh, give something to their schools. We uh, donate supplies to the schools which the guests have got. Or we buy something. Uh, from them, like the vegetables that they grow. Uh, main occupation there is farming, so that's what they are doing. So we buy those vegetables, uh, w- buy the supplies for the crews, or we also buy handlooms. So these mission people, which are tribal people, are engaged in weaving, and that is their culture, and we buy these handlooms, uh, the guests buy these handlooms, so we help them out in some way, we support uh, their uh, economy there, we economy. support their house uh, uh, in that way. So yeah, uh, that's what we do, and also the second aspect is nature. So uh, we, I experience the Brahmaputra River, the river life, the nature on the river, the Kaziranga National Park, which is actually set on the banks of the Brahmaputra. I experience that every week. So we uh, go for a boat safari. We stop at one place. We drive to Kaziranga, and we do the jeep safari there as well. So I experienced the uh, nature part of it as well. And we also do a lot of nature walks. We go onto these islands to see the nature there. A lot of migratory birds come onto this place because it is such a amazing spot for the birds because wetland areas in a lot of places the river water, a uh, food availability because of the fish there. So all these migratory birds come and stay in between on these islands for some days, maybe during the passage migration time. Mm. And you see these birds, wetland birds there, the ducks, a lot of the, them there. And also in Kaziranga, you see the big animals like elephants, rhinos, buffaloes, and also tigers. Yeah.
0: So speaking about Kaziranga, I cannot help but mention about your great uh, photograph that got viral a few days back about a golden tiger. So I would really want to know your views about it and what what crossed your mind when you saw this tiger?
1: So um, first of all, I think I have been very lucky to observe such a uh, rare uh, animal in the wild because uh, golden tigers are nothing but royal Bengal tigers. But they are born with a different color. And that is, uh, I'll explain the reasons as we move ahead. But that in that uh, coloration, they don't have the uh, black stripes. They are very faint. And they're golden and white, prominent colors. And that's why they are known as golden tigers. These tigers are seen in zoos and uh, places where the breeding centers are. So they are not naturally born. Uh, they are bred sometimes. And to uh, increase the attraction of the zoo, or uh, that breeding center, they might uh, get a golden tiger. They will uh, breed a golden tiger for the zoo. But naturally, they are very, very rare. It is said that this sighting is one of the, uh, like, uh, I think uh, one from uh, one of the sightings of the century uh, for wildlife lovers and for wildlife researchers. I don't know how much true is that. But the real reason behind this tiger is it's not a very, Uh, great thing because it is actually caused due to inbreeding. So inbreeding occurs when uh, the tiger, a male tiger and a female tiger are related by blood. Maybe a mother and a son, a daughter and a father. If they mate, something like this can be born. So it is a recessive gene which is seen in this tiger. It is actually a tigress and um, uh, that recessive gene is caused due to inbreeding. Then uh, what happens is, because there is less connectivity between tiger reserves, uh, because of lack of tiger corridors, something like this can happen. So the tigers have not been able to move from one area to other to breed and increase their population. And that's why uh, inbreeding has occurred. So uh, that's why the golden tiger is looking like that. So, when I first saw this tiger, I was completely amazed at what I was seeing. I did not know what it was. I thought it is an albino uh, tiger. And later, uh, when uh, I posted that photo on social media, I actually, uh, uh, it is not an albino, but a tabby tiger or a golden tiger. Then I researched about it, I found out uh, the reasons why it was like that. And later Kaziranga Forest Department also uh, put out their research on social media for everyone to access. And then we got to know the reasons behind it. Later it was shared by a forest officer, an IFS officer, and it went viral all over social media. People were really praising me for what I have found. But it is really important to also know the real story behind the golden tiger, which I just told you because it is inbreeding, which is not a, a great thing in tigers. It can lead to population decline in
0: them. Yeah, You know, this really explains how the famous saying that all that glimmers is not gold. Like, at the first view, this looks so beautiful that you're seeing a completely different looking tigress. And it gives so much happiness. But when you get into detail and search about it, it actually saddens you a little bit. And that's why it's really important to, you know, spread awareness among the people about conservation and how habitat fragmentation is causing a lot of problems for the wildlife.
1: Yes, truly. I think the photograph of the golden tiger, the main reason that uh, uh, it should get viral or it, people should, after looking at it, they should know that uh, this has been caused due to habitat fragmentation and encroachment on the habitat of wildlife. So it should, I hope the photo becomes a symbol for conservation rather than just uh, being a rare species or something which people will uh, be amazed about.
0: Yeah, along with the amazement that comes with the photograph, the background awareness and information is really necessary in this case. Yes. So coming to the next question. Uh, You have been associated with many different aspects of wildlife study, right? From being a naturalist to photographs and videos. Which one do you think is the best way to communicate with the layman and to explain to them the importance of nature conservation?
1: Um, I think being a naturalist is great but it will always be with a group of people. So, when uh, people come to you or maybe they are coming as guests, you would be able to tell them about nature, talk to them, be intimate about nature with them because you can tell your stories, you can tell your experiences, you can really explain uh, the things that are happening in the wild at that particular moment. But with uh, that, there are limitations because not everyone will be uh, like knowing about uh, Naturalists or everyone will be interested to visit these uh, parks where the animals are found and meet naturalists there. So yeah. it is important to spread awareness through uh, media through photos and videos. Is what I feel. So I have. Uh, I feel that both photos and videos can make huge difference, and they have uh, important places in like their own thing. But uh, I am inclined more towards video because uh, you can tell stories through videos. You can create stories, you can uh, weave stories around an animal or a bird or any habitat in particular uh, area and you can tell the stories of that, that place, that animal and the interaction of that wildlife with the humans living there, you can tell these stories by creating Good videos or films is what I feel also you can uh, make a difference using a photograph as well because I did a story on uh, the greater adjutant storks of um, Assam of Guwahati they are the uh, one of the endangered birds in the world they are globally threatened uh, we have only 1200 birds left in the wild and uh, they are seen on a dump yard in Guwahati which is a really sad state because uh, they are wetland birds, but they are scavengers and there is no uh, food left for them to scavenge on. Because now we have completely changed our lifestyle. And we don't let them breed as well because they are thought to be ugly. They are known as bone swallowers or hargilla in uh, local language. So that's why uh, it is really important to show what is happening. So I did a story on these talks where they are on that dump yard. They are standing on a heap of dung, sorry, heap of waste, and uh, then you have the digger or the JCB there, which is taking away all that as well. So they are on an island, kind of, and that island is also being taken away from them. So I did a uh, story on the stocks, and those photos uh, were also appreciated by everyone, and people got to know about these birds, and uh, they were also like appreciated and spread, they spread everywhere. But I also believe in the power of, of films, because a film can make a big difference. It can go to policymakers. They can see these films, and they can become aware of the wildlife that is found in that particular region, and the need to uh, protect them or save them, or what are the uh, like uh, problems faced by uh, the wildlife because of the human interactions, or how human interaction is actually helping the wildlife to exist or to cope. So uh, all these can be highlighted by films or small videos that can be made. So that's why I started this YouTube channel and uh, I have been making videos to make people aware and make uh, people understand that wildlife is not just in uh, jungles, but it is around us. So that they love this wildlife. So it is very important first. To uh, see what is around and after you see that, you start loving that. Only when you love it, then you will have the thought to care about it and to protect it. So that's why it is really important to see what is around and make people love wildlife. Get people uh, to come and see wildlife. And then then only we can start protecting at an individual level where everyone knows that, okay... Uh, Everyone now knows about tigers because they are so majestic, they are our national animal. But along with the tiger, I feel every small organism is important and every organism or every animal has a story to tell. So I just want to tell these stories through these videos that I make.
0: Yeah, very well said. I completely agree with everything that you have said about conservation and how nature awareness is really important. And, uh, you know, with the growing times, I really see the young generations being interested in conservation and protecting wildlife and nature. And uh, we have many such viewers in listening to our podcast as well. And I would really want you to give the kind of advice that helps you being what you are today to our young viewers. Yes. uh,
1: So... Uh, I think the best piece of advice that uh, I have for uh, the young viewers is that if you have the love for nature and if you have like a passion for wildlife, then being a naturalist is one of the best jobs that you will ever do. You get to actually live in these amazing places like uh, maybe Assam uh, or Kaziranga for me. Or maybe Corbett National Park or if you love tigers in central India or in Rajasthan somewhere or maybe in the south. So you can be in any place if you really know what you are talking about. So uh, you can be there, you can just uh, enjoy nature, you can understand nature, you can uh, like view nature from a close point of view, not by staying in uh, the city which is sometimes gets difficult maybe uh, because uh, there is not much nature around, but obviously there is when you start looking. Also, uh, you have to have very good communication skills. So that is one thing that uh, is really important in this job because if you have good communication skills, then you can talk about nature. You can tell these stories to common people who do not know uh, much maybe about nature, who are coming just to enjoy, just to see these animals. Maybe they'll just come to see a tiger because they want to see it. Yeah. But when you tell the story of the tiger, why is it uh, walking on the road and marking its territory? Why does it do it? What? Uh, how many tigers are there? Or so many stories associated with that. Yeah. Or maybe even a small frog for that matter. So if you explain them that, then they will start loving nature. So communication skills are a must- for any naturalist. And that's the advice I would like to give that develop good communication skills and obviously have a good or, a, very importantly, have a, a passion for wildlife and nature, and then you can become a very good naturalist.
0: Yes. Rightly said. I'm really happy to have this discussion with you and speak to you and gain so much knowledge and motivation from your journey. It's been really a pleasurable experience to speak to you today. Before we end the podcast, check out Mayuray search channel called Way to the Wild. We will link it down in the description. Please like, share and subscribe if you like our content and do support us on Patreon. Have a nice day.